Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Yo, Aries, I had the weirdest dream the other night. I'm in a ping pong tournament, right? And I'm playing for the championship, and all the balls disappeared. That's when I thought about Rujiman. Man, if you need to be game ready, Rujiman is for you. If you've run out of balls, guess what? I got balls. They're not white balls like ping pong balls, but they're balls. That being said, you need a wingman? Well, I want to tell you about Rujiman. Rujiman is going to help you impress in bed. If you've got a long-term partner or someone new, you want to feel extra confident, you need to go with Rujiman.com and get yourself Rujiman ready. What's Rujiman? Rujiman is made from the same ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And you can get it prescribed online and shipped directly to your door. I know there's others out there that will do it, but why do you need Rujiman? Because it's the only product with a patent-pending formula that combines both the ingredients from Viagra and Cialis for optimal results. The dosage is customizable. Rujiman's patented sublingual delivery system. You place it under your own tongue. Allows for better and quicker absorption. It works in 15 minutes or less. Because when you're ready to play the game, you need to be ready to play the game. Rujiman tastes good. Soft mint, no chalky, bitter medical taste. And Rujiman is prescribed by doctors and made in licensed American labs. This is a call to action, man. Kind of like uh, the Batman movies. When Commissioner Gordon puts the bat signal in the air, and Batman meets Commissioner Gordon on the roof. In other words, put the Rujiman signal in the air, which is probably a pair of balls and a hard erection. And guess what? Men will meet you on the roof. Listen, do yourself a favor. Go to Rujiman.com right now and use promo code S15 for 15% off. Once more, that's Rujiman.com. That's R-U-G-I-E-T-M-E-N.com. And use promo code S15 for that 15% off. Rudiment ready. I know my balls are ready. Are yours? Hey, Aries, I just wanted to uh, make sure everybody out there knows that we have shows coming up in Portland while they're listening to this. We're in Portland. If you're in the area, please come out and see us. Aries and I have shows Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, Six shows total, two Friday, two Saturday, two Sunday. Yes, sir. And they gave me a show on Thursday so I could do my hour. I could stretch. Uh, my 15 minutes of jokes into uh, you know a full hour. But if you want to come out and see me too, I'll be out there on Thursday just doing one show at eight o'clock. Um, please come out, support. You don't you know you don't have things to do. You just got out of COVID. You guys are trying to figure out how to spend some time. Spend some time at the comedy club. Yeah, I saw. I, I went. I, like I told you. Okay, so we're recording right now. Yes. So we can do whatever we want. But like I told you last night, and Steve can leave this in there if he wants because it's kind of funny that Aries has joined. Uh, the recording nation. Yes, I've stepped my I've stepped my game up. Um, I went out and spent some money on something besides pussy and marijuana. Uh, I, I made an investment into myself, into ourselves, 
as I bought the uh, the podcast recorder equipment, some cables, a microphone uh, to improve my sound when we are not together. So fingers crossed. Bear with us, folks. I know some of y'all have complained about how shitty I sound. And believe me, I hate it, too. But uh, this is the first step. One step for podcast mankind and however that shit goes. Um, and I was going to say, like, and it was funny because for me to do the count off as the white dude and have just saw the Foo Fighters last night, my whiteness is at an all time high right now. So uh, my, my came out. So, yeah, he was representing the black side. Dude, uh, it was such a shocker. We're at the show, and what I what I was doing at the show is I don't ever want to because of what we do now, what I do now. I never want to record anybody's performance. I I mean, I would never put anybody's performance out there without them without them knowing about it because I know what that means to us. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is I would a lot of times record like the kind of in-between stuff at the show instead of the, right. the music so like i would just have some like cute clips i could put on my instagram i was at the show and uh, so i'm recording that and he said about his friends dave and i, I just thought it was going to be uh dave navarro or some like you know somebody that was music and he goes dave Chappelle," and i was like what and uh, i recorded the whole thing i recorded yeah, Chappelle it's- singing it's rock star shit, man. No, like no. I, about Jay-Z, you know, you, you get to a point where you surpass being what you are, you know. And yeah, Jay-Z is hip hop. He's rap. But he's on, he's on rock star shit. Yeah. Like he's on. He's another tier. Yeah. No, this was some rock star shit. He came out sunglasses on, uh, you know, just but he came out Dave. He's still Dave. He might be a rock star, but it's it's Dave. And uh, it, it was great. It, it was great. It's it. it it was like it it didn't change the tone of anything. It was just great to see someone from another genre at such a high level come out and those two went together. And Dave I just had fun. And it's great to see I I love when art and talent and fun all meet in the same place. And that's what happened last night. And it was the first time at in uh at the garden had opened back up to music and you had to bring your vax cards so you could get in. Uh, but they weren't checking ID. So if you had anybody's vax card, you could have got in, but um, it was cool. It was cool to see that many people in one room. And I mean, he stopped uh, at one point in the show and he talked about how this is like the first time that they've been in a, in a space with this many people in, you know, almost two years for those guys. So, yeah, I mean, California is basically opened all the way back up. Dodge stadium, uh, had, was at max capacity. Um, but again, you had to bring either a COVID test or your vaccination card. So, uh, yeah, we're finally almost really back to normal. Yeah. And, and then on television and I, and I, and I've, I've curtailed how much I want to talk about this, um, because I don't want to seem like a fair weather fan. Uh, but you know me, but I know not everybody out in who listens to this really knows me. And I've always been, a Suns fan. As much as I love the Knicks, I love the Suns, and I came up in the 70s, so the the Knicks were important. But I've always been a Suns, diehard Suns fan living there. And uh, to watch that game, uh, game one, um, that was uh, 
uh, and look at that full crowd that was happening in Phoenix. It was it was awesome. It was it, it did it felt like normal for 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 a moment. It felt like normal. I, I will say this: I know some people give you know you know me in terms of goat status, LeBron versus MJ, and some people you know one of the knocks on LeBron is he's a crybaby. He cries a lot, but he did say one thing that I read recently where I gotta I gotta say yo he, he's 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 nailing it on the head. When he goes, well, first of all, let me just say, I always felt like when when basketball and when they won that championship for L.A. during the bubble and during the point where there were no fans, uh, that somehow that was, even though it was a legit championship won, there was an asterisk near that title because the fans are part of the game. They're part of the culture. And to not have them felt wrong. Um, So furthermore, he said something that I totally agree with. He goes, this bubble and and because of COVID and the schedule being what it is, it's fucked up the game in the sense that you're seeing all your favorite stars hurt. It's too much wear and tear on their body. I mean, whoever wins the championship this year, there almost has to be an asterisk near this year, too, because Kawhi Leonard, a star, hurt, CP3, COVID, out, James Harden, Pulled hamstring, out. Kyrie Irving, twisted ankle, out. So we saw a lot of superstars from every team in the playoff playoffs not be there because of injury. And let's be honest, yeah, Milwaukee Bucks beat the Nets, but they beat a, a, a corpse. You know, you didn't have Harden, you didn't have Irving. And prior to Harden and Irving being hurt, yo, who the fuck was stopping Brooklyn? They were a three-headed monster. And KD showed his ass the best he could, but it wasn't enough. No. So, yeah, did Milwaukee beat them? Yeah, but an asterisk. If Phoenix beats the Clippers, no Kawhi, maybe an asterisk. Or if the Suns lose, no Chris Paul, maybe an asterisk. But injuries have always been part of the game. Yeah, but not like this. No, I, I agree. And, you know, the other side of that is, well, everybody's playing those same minutes. But stars of the game play more minutes because they're they're in the game. Generally, they're in the game longer. And load management has not been a part of the ser- of the series right now. Uh, load management they haven't been keeping people out. They've been doing the best that they can to w- every. All the teams are putting their stars out as much as possible. So yeah, uh, injuries are part of the game. I think that these two years, COVID in general, is going to be part of it because the seasons have been different too. So yeah, I I, I definitely think that there should be they're still the champions no matter who wins uh, any of these uh, last year. I mean, definitely champions, uh, Lakers. But again, it's still going to be through COVID time, uh, and it is different. But I'm going to tell you, watching the Suns play, and I, I've I've haven't talked about it, but Devin Booker. Dude. Yeah, he's a beast. And his shot, he's a beast. I, I'm not, I'm, and I, I know I'm talking him up, and I know I'm like, I'm like kissing, like giving kisses right now, but his shot, it's like the perfect, it's, it's textbook, perfect, beautiful. Uh, like just the way he goes up, he's perfectly square. The way he, he is, uh, yeah, I got a man crush right now on his game. His game. <laughs> His game is serious right now. It, it was just great to see. And, 
listen, I, I, I'd be rooting for them if they, if they weren't, you know, I wouldn't be rooting for them to win a game if they weren't in the playoffs, but I rooted for them all year anyway. So uh, excited to see it. Excited to see it. I, I hope they uh, continue. Uh, missing Chris Paul is a big deal. Um, but I like what I saw last night. I, I, again, with no Kawhi, I don't know how that game would have turned out if Kawhi was in it, but that's not the option. The game one? Yeah, it was game one. Who won? Suns. Oh, wow. Yeah, see. But they, now, and they were, at, they were in Phoenix, too, though. And is Chris Paul scheduled to come back? We don't know. We don't know. I don't even know what he's, why he's out. There, I mean, I, I don't. It, they said it's part of COVID protocol, but as far as I understand, Chris Paul was vaccinated. So I don't understand why he's out. Uh, maybe there's more information. Cleared twice. He has to be tested twice before he's cleared. Okay, but I thought that uh, if you had, if you were vaxxed, and just because you had contact with someone who had it, you you weren't eliminated. That, I, but I don't know the rules. Um, I, I know the rules are different for different players, uh, as far as this goes. But uh, I'm not going to get stuck on that because no matter what, it's it's been great to get back to. Uh, a semblance of normalcy. Uh, it's been great to root. I, I didn't root for basketball last year because it just didn't feel right. That's what I'm saying about the fans. They're part of the culture. They're part of the game. Right. And it felt great. I mean, when, when you hear people, uh, when a basket gets made, I mean, the booze, the booze, I missed the booze. I didn't think I'd miss booze, but yeah, when a bad call happens and yeah, I miss it all. And so, uh, it, it's, moaning, screaming is a part of sex. And that- <laughs> Just fucking with no sound. It's a silent movie, dude. It's 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 still gonna feel great, but to hear a woman ooh and ah and ooh, give it to me, granddaddy. That is a part of it. How old are you that you're getting called granddaddy? How old are you that you're getting called granddaddy? No, I was that was a callback to the last thing. <laughs> and you said you hate being called daddy because it makes you feel old. Old, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was just wondering. I was just wondering. I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I, I'm catching up now. We're not in the same room. We don't have that same vibe when we're not in the same room. We'll take that? that too. Okay. Um. Yeah. So. So. Uh. And you know, it's weird because not to get too away from that, but just to make the point, it's weird because you know, here in California, they lifted the mat, the mask mandate. Yeah. On the thing. So I, I've gotten so used to wearing the mask. That instinctively, when I get out of my car to go into a grocery store or anywhere, I reach for the mask, even though I know I don't need it. And I still take it and hold it in my hand, yeah. even though I, I don't need it. Well, out here uh, in New York area and Jersey area, uh, some of the stores are still requiring you to have it. But they have they're, they're, what they're supposed to have, if they want you to have it, is a box of masks that you can grab one because um, the mandate is lifted, but it's up to the business now. And... On the PATH train in Jersey and on the subways, you're supposed to wear a mask. But l- last night, I was coming back from uh, the garden, and uh, you know, there's just some people who don't want to wear it, and and it makes me mad. Only not because like I feel like I don't. I like I said, I'm vaccinated. Uh, I know I still have a possibility that I could get it, but that's not really what my my problem is. It's that if 99 percent of the people on the train are wearing it, why do you think you don't have to wear it? I mean, what I, I know you have some kind of point that you want to make, or but we're all the people are wearing it. Yeah, because so they feel like, look, if everybody else is wearing it, then I'm okay. Yeah, but if I, 
but we're all in this together. Fucking put your mask on. And then the other people that make me mad too, I got like, I know if you're going to wear okay, this is that person makes me mad. The person who makes me madder, I think is the person who doesn't have it over their nose and mouth and they're just wearing it on their chin. That annoys me more. Yeah. Because now what's the point? Like nigga, your face is sagging. <laughs> just cover your nose. You got your nose is your ass being out with sagging pants. Exactly. So either just take it off and man up and be like, I don't want to wear a mask or wear the mask. One or the other. Don't don't do some in-between shit. Be who you are. Yeah. So uh, but I'm wearing it because I want others who may not have been able to get the vaccine and still need to do some things uh, to be able to ride safely. And that's why I still will do it when I'm asked when i'm asked to i take it off as soon as i'm out of the train and on the platform and walking up because uh, i i feel good i feel confident but i gotta tell you last night when i was at the garden and the place is packed like that uh i had good seats i'm not gonna lie i had a box i had food i had do you prefer the box or don't you prefer to be closer to the stage now, normally, I would prefer to be closer to the stage, but being through, we just went through all this COVID, and there's so many people, it was nice to go to a place, see all the people, but not actually have to be in with all the people. Because I think yeah, I, I, I've been to the Staples Center. I remember I went to one playoff, not a playoff, but a, a regular season game when the Lakers had Gary Payton and Carl Malone. And I went with comedian Alex Thomas, and he got the suite, he got the box. Yeah. And I get it. It's luxurious, luxurious. It's comfortable. You can order steaks and eat nice. But if you're a fan of the game, I want to be on the floor. No, I get that. Uh, but there's some really good seats. There's there's a couple other ways that uh, I love rich people, man. Rich people have this shit locked down. Uh, if you get the there's seats that are close to the uh, the floor, but behind it you have access to a bar. That has like you can order food. Um, I those are the best seats because you can be you have a good view of the game. You're close to the floor, and you walk into the ba- you you leave your seats and you just go into this like pr- uh, private uh, bar area that's for people who hold those seats. Those are good seats. But the best seats I have ever been able to be a part of uh, is when the Diamondbacks first came to Arizona. Um, I got to go to the owners' box, uh, and there's several owners, so. But so there's a few boxes. So I got to go to the owner's box and see the game in the suite. But then he has access. So you go downstairs, you take the elevator downstairs, you go through uh, like where the pitching machines are, and they have seats uh, right on like by third base, uh, like maybe like the like second or third row. And that's the way to see the game, to have the choice to be in the box, get your food, use your private bathroom, have that luxury, and then be able to go. Yeah downstairs yeah that's um i'm gonna say this last thing and then i want to not we should try to move on um and and i don't want to get off on this because we've talked about this so much about covid but i just got to say this last thing i saw chris rock was on the breakfast club and he basically said i don't understand why people don't want to get the vaccine and to say well you don't know what's in it he said i don't know what the fuck is in fruit loops but I eat it. You know, we don't know what's in a lot of shit that we consume. And and and, it, and again, I, I have to speak to black people because I read the comments and I knew what they were going to be. Oh, he's a puppet. Oh, he's a tool. Oh, he, he's, he's he, Chris, I used to be a fan. Now I'm not a fan. 
And I'm just like, again, I'm going to say the same thing. Black people, stop it. I, again, I know the past. Tuskegee. I know how slick. I know how slick these crackers are. I get it. But we, everything ain't the boogeyman. Everything ain't, a, ain't, ain't, ain't fucking a plot to get us. Oh, they tracking you. It's like they could track you through the phone. It's like, do you understand? I don't, they, they, the vaccine came out too quick. Duh. They want to get back to business. This shit has crippled us. It has fucked us up. It has fucked up the economy. Of course they put a rush on it. We got to get back to business. Why is that so hard to understand? And again, I get it. But it's like the same people that are saying, man, fuck that vaccine. You putting that shit in your body. You niggas drink. Some of you motherfuckers smoke cigarettes. You eat pork. You eat red meat. You don't eat well. You don't exercise. So pick your fucking poison. Uh, I'm just going to say that I have to agree with you. I'm uh, sorry, Andy. Let me say this last ahead. point. Again, enough black people have gotten the vaccine and are okay. There's no boogeyman. Go ahead. Well, like if they're coming out of the shadows to get you, they've already shown you uh, that magic trick going through the vaccine or going through that type of a way of, of getting someone. If they want to get you, they have other ways now. There's other ways. Like you said, your cell phone. Your cell phone tracks you everywhere you go. Uh, they know that that uh, radio waves by your head isn't the best thing for you, and you still do use that. If, I mean, if you want to go off the grid and you don't want to take your vaccine, uh, I get that. That 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 puts you in a in a higher level caliber of uh, uh, of thought where you really believe that they're coming to get you. It's a conspiracy theory. Um, but if you're not willing to do those things, you can't. You're you're picking and choosing what your poison is, but it's all poison. So what are you doing? And like I said, the more people refuse, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, it don't set us back because I think enough people have gotten it. Well, maybe we'll be okay. Obviously, the country's opening back up, but you're impeding progress. If the goal is to knock this thing out and get back to normal and not have to worry about it again, for those who don't want to take, who don't want to get it, you're impeding progress. Well, and, you know, I, I, like you said, I know you don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but the Delta variant is out there. And the Delta variant, uh, the vaccine is showing good results against the Delta variant. But if you don't have it, you're unprotected against this new strain. And listen, I'm going to be, I'll be really honest with this. Uh, you know, if it makes traffic better for some people not to get the vaccine and we lose those people and I don't have to drive in the traffic that I've been driving in since maybe. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Then don't get the vaccine. Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. 
It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Um, I put you on to this 19-minute HBO I guess it's like, I don't know if it was a documentary or a short film. It's a short. It's a short. A film called Black Boy Joy about a a father and a grandfather uh, struggling with their grandson and son about autism. Uh, And I knew that this this was right up your alley. Yeah. Uh, And I just want to say real quick, man, because I I literally watched the thing an hour ago. Um, Andy, hat tip to you, dude. I mean, fucking... Hat tip to you, and not to just to you, but also to women, because I'm gonna be honest, and I've been clear about. This. I have a hard enough time being a good parent to a child without special needs. That's tough, man. The patience that women have, and that you have, and that fathers like you have, and 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 the nurturing skills, which you know always feel uh, somewhat more. I don't know if innate is the right word, yeah. but, but more honest to a woman's personality and, and, and makeup than it is a dude. Uh, I know there's a lot of good men who are good fathers out there. So I'm, I'm sure I'm just, I suck, but hats off to you, man, because you know what, what in that short film, what that child was going through, what that father had to endure and there was that scene where he totally lost it and had to hug his, his own dad. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know that I could do that. Uh I think the hardest part in there for me watching that was uh you don't understand in the beginning what's going on. Um you just you kind of you you're piecing it together cuz it, it it it's it, this short is happening in the middle of what I would assume they would develop into a different story. But when he has to explain that the mom is never going to come back home and, and the challenge of explaining something um, like that to uh, a, a child on the spectrum. And while you're trying to go through it and do that to yourself, uh, that, uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't go through that. I, I mean, I got divorced, but so I had that other partner, whether we were getting along or not getting along, I knew that if, if things went bad, I had someone that I could call. Uh, this him explaining that uh, to his, his son, the mom wasn't coming home, and and then the way the son, you know, asks questions, I was just like, uh, I felt fortunate to have a, to have a bad relationship, but at least have that other person that's out there, and maybe not out there the way that I wanted her to be out there, but. At least it was someone that when I was confused or when I was at my breaking point, I could call up and go, what, what are we going to do? And that made me feel more fortunate, actually, when I watched this. So I appreciate you saying that. But when you watch people's stories, and that's what everybody always says, you never know what the other person's going through. That gave me a glimpse into how much more difficult my situation could have been. But, but, but having, I would imagine for any parent, having a conversation about uh, with your child about the other parent's death and not coming home is tough anyway. Yeah, it Both is. I say that that would be tougher with an autistic child. 
the explanation has to be more detailed uh, because his question was, well, you go to work and you come home and you have to explain. And then the idea of trying to explain a different uh, level of, uh, of, of religion or, or uh, an afterlife or what happens to you when you're gone, what happens to you when you pass away, um, that conversation with uh, a child on the spectrum uh, presents more challenges because they have questions that they're going to have for you. Uh, that was just a glimpse into what it was. I, when I saw that, it, it, I saw 20 more minutes of a movie right there. Um, yeah, just difficult. Difficult. I mentioned to you, uh, obviously, I, I mentioned this to you for obvious reasons uh, based on your own experience. But I also wanted to watch it for myself because... And listen, I've, we, I've been with you at the merch table when we're selling merch after a show. And I've seen black people as well as, you know, white people in all uh, ethnicities say to you, hey, thank you for that joke. My child is autistic. So I know that it happens within the black community. But this also felt to me like in the black community, there are certain things that just seem taboo. Certain conversations we're not as open to have and deal with that other races deal with quite easily. Uh, one of which, you know, I always say is therapy. You know, there are black people who, have, who go see therapists, but in the black community, it's almost like it's shunned because big mama is your therapist. Grandmama is your therapist. Uh, and when it comes to mental and emotional health, sometimes you gotta go outside of family. You actually need to talk to a professional. And I just don't think that black families dealing with kids with autism is something that's discussed enough. Uh, it feels like a therapy thing. Yeah, it exists, but shh, don't talk about that. Well, st- statistically, um, autism is uh, less prevalent in the black community. Now, the question is, going to what you just said, is it less prevalent or is it less diagnosed? So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. But I do know when people have a tendency to uh, when, when a group of people have a tendency to, like you said, shun, maybe um, going outside medical, you know, well, you saw this, you see this in this in, in this short because you saw the the uh, the grandfather or, you know, the dad. I mean, it, it's generational. This film it has the way it looks like a, a much older Phil Lamar. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, you see his reaction to it, and you see the dad trying to be completely open to it, and the, the the and the granddad being completely closed off to it. So you do see that there's a generational shift that they're showing in this in this in this short film as well, where right. the understandability is 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 now, and the past is is the grandfather, and pulling the grandfather in is part of what is that that's that's the part where you really uh, that was the gut the gut punch when. Uh, like you said, when he hugs, the, when they when they hug, and you realize they're coming together in this, and, and there there's there's some understanding at that moment. Uh, man, dude, it, it's quick, and I'm <laughs> and I'm getting like I, one of my notes was I wondered why why was it so short? You know, I you know I said that to you uh, when I think that this is a a, a treatment that they did a short on, kind of like Sling Blade that Bobby uh, Bob. What was his name? Bob Thornton, Bob, Billy Bob Thornton. 
he uh, that sling blade went through several incarnations before they made it into a movie. Uh, I think this is something on that same level. Maybe they made it into a short, but I'm, you know, hopefully there's a, there's a full script out there or something that they're working on to, to do it. Cause it's, it's a great, the story is great. Um, because the part also, uh, again, I was prepared how to deal with my son because I knew that my ex-wife and I were breaking up, but this, in this one, the mother dies. We don't know. I, I don't know. You don't know the whole uh, story behind it, but she's gone and he's found himself in the middle of it. Uh, that's, you know, this is that, that's a different story. Um, I, I had, I was prepared for what I was about to do. He wasn't, he wasn't prepared at all in the story. Uh, you know, he was thrust into being the main caregiver for his son. So this it's a it's a quick piece. People who have a chance to watch it, it's on HBO. Um, I, I don't like the name of the movie because I told you it sounded more like a what, what what's in it? Black Boy Joy. Yeah that that sounds like uh that sounds like porn. <laughs> yeah yeah. So I I mean I, I wish they would have had a different title for it, but uh Here's so. Twisted sketch uh, that could be made behind that. Okay, uh, Black Boy Joy, a porn about autism. <laughs> no, no, I'm. I, I want to keep our podcast, so I'm not even going to go there. No, no, no. listen, listen, listen. I, I'm telling you, I hear you, but there is a way <laughs> to comedically do that. Yes, it's fucking hilarious. That might be above my pay grade. That might be something Dave Chappelle would have to do. Uh, somebody, not me either. So, uh, uh, yeah. My last thing was this, you know, it, it's, it's like, how do you know what autism looks like? Because unless you told me your son was autistic, I don't know what autism looks like. Yeah. You know, it's funny now because, because my son is autistic and because, uh, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. And because every doctor wanted to put me on medication when I was going through this and, uh, you know, getting my son diagnosed you know, you realize who you are as well. And now I can walk into a room and have conversations with people. And I go, that person doesn't even know uh, they're on the spectrum. Right. And it's funny. uh, And not that I'm going to diagnose someone. That's not my, that's not my point, but I I see it in uh, people that might not even realize that, that there's social anxiety. They think they have social anxiety and it has a lot more to do with their, with more than that. Uh, but as you're around him more, you start picking up on little nuances. And, you know, I'm very fortunate because True is is very high-functioning, very high-functioning. His social anxiety is through the roof. Uh, he has some other issues uh, uh, that, that come up that is part of his spectrum. But I'm very fortunate that he is very manageable. And when I mean manageable, I mean I can direct him. I can give him... Uh, basically verbal notes on things that he needs to look out for and try to do. But like with driving right now, I watch him and it's, you know, he's, he's going to be 21 and he's very conscious of everything around him and it makes him completely, um, it, it, it freezes him. And so he has a hard time with the idea of driving. Um, but he also wants like some freedom, you know, to be able to get into a car and go get yourself some food when you want to, without having to call an Uber or making sure you have enough money even for an Uber. Um, and I'm watching him try to go through this and decide 
if he, you know, he's, he's getting ready to take his test again. And, you know, I want him to get his driver's license so that he has it, but I, I I'd rather him take Ubers because I just, I know how tense he is. And, and the idea of someone freezing up is where an accident can happen, but you know, making him comfortable is part of this. And so it, it's, it's a journey, but I'm fortunate that he, that there's a lot of kids that are on the spectrum that will never even get to the point where we're even having this conversation about driving. So uh, again, uh, we all have a different journey. Uh, the, spect- the spectrum disorder is a is, uh, is a is a wide net, and uh, you, you know you learn to deal with what you're given, and we're doing a good job. Uh, and y- you'll start to see it more because you have been around True more. You'll start noticing little things. <clears throat> all right, people. Well, it's called Black Boy Joy. Uh, check it out. It's a short 19 minute watch. But it's informative, it's educational, and I think that, again, within the black community, these are conversations that we need to have, um, and it's important. So I enjoyed it. Now, ding, ding. (laughs) Four Kings, baby. No, it's not called Four Kings. It's called Four Kings. Yeah. But it's about four boxes from the mid to late 80s. When the welterweight division reigned supreme, or early eighties, uh, early and early eighties, early eighties, yeah, because it starts 80s. with it, it starts with uh, um, um, Carter is in office, and he was out of the office in oh. the eighties, right? Okay, um, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, which is how you have to say that, uh, Tommy Hearns, and Marvin Hagler, and. One of the things that they pointed out was, you know, from the mid 60s all throughout the 70s, Muhammad Ali was the guy. He was the guy. He ran. He was boxing. Um, And, you know, the heavyweight division, like I said, that was that era when niggas was greasy. And my dad loved that era. Ken Norton, George Foreman, Joe Frazier, Ernie Shavers. Larry Holmes, even though that was more 80s. That, the, the heavyweight division reigned supreme. Then when Ali basically was done, the heavyweight division went through a drought until mid-80s, until Tyson. And then yeah. Tyson brought prominence back to the heavyweight division. And then, of course, later comes Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis. But, but, but don't, was, don't sleep on Holmes during that time. Holmes was a great. Don't sleep on Holmes during that time after oh, Ali. Phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. Just didn't really have anybody to display who he was at that time because there was no one. There wasn't really that the division wasn't good anymore. The division had fallen apart. Right. So I agree with you, but I just don't want you to sleep on Holmes because he was. No, a, no, no. Holmes, Holmes was definitely the guy. Yeah. Uh, and I can't help but think of that great joke by Eddie Murphy when he talked about Larry Holmes and not being able to articulate. You know, um, God, I, I don't want to butcher it, but YouTube it, Eddie Murphy, Larry Holmes. The shit is hilarious. Uh, I like soup. It's, it's, I, it's, I, I, when I get the sensation, the sensation, when I bite into a York pepper patty, I am running through the woods, butt naked, and little kids are sprinkling cold water on my butt. Hilarious. <laughs> um, but 
like you said, it had dropped off so bad. I did like though in this in this film, and I'm not, I'm not trying to cut you off, but I just because we we are focused on the four kings in this in this. I do like yeah. how they touch at the very beginning on Ali, and then they end at the very touch of Tyson. So you get a little bit, but I'm I'm angry with the way that they talked about Tyson, and we'll get to that as we talk about this. Um. But yeah, th- th- that was a period in the welterweight where, again, I'm 75. So by 85, I'm 10. But my dad was so heavily into boxing that I watched that shit. And I just remember that was a, a period when the, the, the best fighters fought each other. Yeah. You know, and they showed it. You know, Duran versus, ha- Duran versus Hagler, Duran versus Hearns. Ray Leonard versus Hagler. Ray Leonard versus Hearns. Ray Leonard versus Duran. Like, no one ran from each other. <clears throat> Floyd Mayweather. Um, motherfuckers fought the best and all in their prime. And, you know, this is always great barbershop conversation. But you go, man, into, if, if some of that era in their prime bled into... The 90s era. Yo, who wins between Marvin Hagler and Roy Jones? Who wins between a young Sugar Ray and a young Floyd Mayweather? Who wins between a young Roberto Duran versus a young De La Hoya? Who wins against a young Pernell Sweet Pea Whitaker versus a Tommy Hearns? That, that's a boxer's fan's wet dream. Uh, one, one of the, because uh, you said everybody fights each other. At this time period, uh, I don't know that it, it it didn't take anything away, but I would have liked them to spend a little time on just how slither, slithery and sneaky Don King was at that time. Don King was such a whole, yeah. yeah, but really, really wiped the floor with these guys. Yeah, um, and 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 you know, uh, listen, and they said it. Basically, Sugar Ray Leonard picked up where Ali left off. Yep. He, and, you know, again, we, let, me, let me say this loosely because in the beginning, Ali was hated during the first half of his career because of the, the refusal to go into the Vietnam War. He, he became adored after the fact. And obviously, the older he got and the Parkinson's, he became America's darling. But Sugar Ray Leonard became America's darling early on. For all the reasons that make white people feel comfortable. He was good looking. He was articulate. He won the Olympics. Uh, and they even said, uh, uh, one white person described it as, my grandmother said, he's a good man. He's a good young man. And when you get old white women going, you're a good man. That's code for, he's a good Negro. And he was just... You know, you look at Marvin Hagler, who came from Brockton, Massachusetts, who was left, who, who was who was a, a a southpaw, who you know never got the credit he deserved. Thomas the Hitman Hearns from the mean streets of Detroit, who you know wasn't the most well-spoken guy. He was shy. He didn't know how to act in front of a camera. Where Sugar Ray said, "I was always taught when there's a camera on, you smile." Hey, Aries, are you listening? Um, <laughs> Roberto Duran being the gritty, rough Hispanic dude from Panama who would insult Sugar Ray's wife. Sugar Ray was Oscar De La Hoya before Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah, that's true. 
Uh, and my dad, I told you, my dad's the fight fan in the house and loves Sugar Ray. But for everything that they talked about in the movie, in the in the in the in the series, that's what he didn't like about Sugar Ray. That he was the uh, it 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 did seem, and it's the press that did this to him. That he was the one that everything was given to, not that he earned it. Right, and that was a problem for him because well, you know. Uh, and again, this this is this is one of the things that I loved about Sugar Ray, and I and I've said about comedian Matt Reif. You know, Sugar Ray, Oscar De La Hoya, comedian Matt Rife. They're some pretty motherfuckers, man. The women love them. They are handsome as fuck. But some dudes are handsome, but they don't have the goods. That's all they got. You're good looking as fuck, but your skills are lacking. No, 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 no. Sugar Ray, like De La Hoya, like Matt Rife, bring the fucking pain. They got that LL Cool J shit where LL was a handsome to the ladies, sexy nigga, but he had substance. He could rap. Then he got skills. And it's very rare that you get both. It is rare that you get both. But the thing that he had that still baffles me, and I didn't even really remember it this way until I watched this special. You couldn't you couldn't knock him down, man. You couldn't you couldn't knock him out. Sugar Ray was not going down. Uh, he was going to get back up and I don't know, you know, and I think there's something to that when you're the good looking one and you could take a beating, it's not just about even your technical skills. Cause he could fight, but he could, he could take a punch and get right back up. Yeah. And, and like Ali, he had been knocked down, but never knocked out. It, 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 and, and when you see the guys that he's fighting, same weight class, same, I mean, skill level, and even guys that like Hearns that seemed like they had harder hands. Dude, 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 that one, that one knockout that they showed when he fought Roberto Duran, he caught him with that right, and Duran's face pancaked the canvas like nigga, fuck the count, get that nigga a pillow and some sheets. Uh, that was uh, yeah. Um. You know, I, I, I got to say, man, again, I, and I know we're always prone to be biased because we come up in that era. So that's our time. But I'm just like, I, 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 I always feel like nothing was cooler than our time. Like Howard Cosell, <laughs> name, a, name, a, name an announcer today that had that shit that Howard had. This you know, is Howard Cosell. Muhammad Ali, the way he talked, his cadence, he was almost just as important to sport as the athlete themselves. He was. People always say he did as much for Ali as Ali did for him. I, I believe that's true. I and listen, Monday Night Football. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm taking us out of out of boxing for a minute, but. Dude, he was the guy that, you know, this is the difference, though, too. And this is what makes our time a little bit different than what we have today. There is so much attention on so many people today. There's so many famous people now. Remember, back in our day, Howard Cosell was, if you had a primetime sporting event, it wasn't primetime unless you had Howard Cosell. Right. We're different now. There's so many options now. 
And I think that that, you know, to the younger generation, that seems great because they have all these influences and all this coming at you. And, uh, and it's more, it's just more, but it's sometimes there's too many different flavors in the ice cream. Sometimes there's too many sprinkles. There's too many toppings. Uh, maybe ours was a little bit vanilla that we didn't have as much stuff going on, but I mean, when, when you heard Howard Cosell speak on Monday night for the football game, we were ready for a football game. When, when you, there was a boxing match and it was Howard Cosell, you knew that that was going to be a fucking great match, you know? And, right. and if it wasn't, he made it good just by right. the way. And his quite, and who he was, uh, it, I, there's definitely two different ideas of what makes the time today great and what makes our time great. But I think it was a little bit easier for us because it wasn't as much coming at you as fast. Dude, I, I have it in my notes, uh, and I know, obviously, again, you being older than me, you know this. ABC's wild world of sports. Didn't it just feel like life was so much more simple then? For what you just said, there wasn't a lot coming at you. Yeah. And, and there was nothing better than for my dad on a, on a Saturday afternoon. And remember, this is the afternoon, not night. The afternoon to watch a boxing match, a great boxing match between guys like that. Well, and you know, there's something that was said in that ABC thing that is so different than from today. And I think it's it, it, it's valuable, but it's not put out there, you know, and it was the agony of defeat. We don't talk about defeat. You know, the winner is the star and it's this huge and and then you carry him around like on a pedestal for like 24 to 48 hours of news cycle and then they're gone and no one. But when the agony of defeat was like you, you focused on on the loss as much as you focused on the win because they went through the same trials and tribulations to get to that fight. And somehow that this, this is kind of uh, we're, we're in a very glamorized world right now uh, where I, because it, it's easy to glamorize something for 24 to 48 hours where we grew up. I mean, the whole time we grew up, I mean, uh, Frazier, uh, Ali, they were all part of my life growing up. Do you know what right. I mean? They didn't disappear after uh, a, a six-month period. They were gone. And that's what I mean yep. about we had it simpler. It came at us in a different at a different speed. But I thought we were more in tune and in touch with those people than what's happening now because they're here today and gone tomorrow. But, but again, I think you said it when you said <clears throat> there's so much coming at us now. There's a million channels. Yeah. There's, your, your phone is your television with a constant cycle of social media and clips and this and that. So how do you focus on one thing for too long? You can't. No, you can't. You can't at all. I, I just, I saw this thing. Uh, I caught a clip of uh, the friends reunion. Do you know yeah. how many people used to watch friends um, every week? Yeah. 23 million people per week watched friends. Right. Do you know what they would do to get 23 million people to watch one show on TV right now? Right. We, right. And that's that's even later. That's not even talking about when we're talking about bo- at this particular time, this 80s. This That's what's that? 90s. Yeah, that's 90s. Right. Friends. Right. Early 2000s. It's crazy, man. I don't know how our kids are doing it. And when we talk about people being attention deficit and ADHD, how could you not be? How but could- don't you 
think to a degree that's what dilutes the product? Yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. But when something stands out and we compare it to what we had back then, remember that about us too. This is this the buildup for what we had back then was such a greater amount uh, of buildup, and we put so much more into it because that's a, we were working on three channels, dude. Right. Plus our right. local channel, and, and, and this was this was. Correct me if I'm wrong. Pre ESPN, yeah, uh, ESPN started. There was ESPN. I think started around this time, but it wasn't national like it is now. It wasn't on every cable. Cable wasn't in every city. Right. So, uh, I mean, I remember my dad at this particular time when this when this was going. I remember uh, the first time I listened to an Ali fight was listening. We had to listen to it on the radio. It wasn't on TV. You couldn't get it. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, HBO. I lived. In, I grew up in Arizona, so HBO. We didn't have cable in that area. HBO was an antenna, and we paid. I think $24 a month so that we could have one channel of HBO. And that's where we would get fights. You know, um, <clears throat> sometimes you, you always root for the underdog. And Marvin Hagler was such a monster because he had a granite chin. He was tough as a motherfucker. But I love the quote that someone said about him when he said, you got three things working against you. One, you're Southpaw. Two, you're Black. And three, you're good. And just the fact that this is a black dude who made his bones from Massachusetts. Yeah. One of the most racist, but you know, the Petrelli brothers, they got a nigga, they, they're training it. There's a nigga in Chad Jewelry. They, they're training this thing. He's wicked, sir. Marvelous. He calls himself Marvelous Marvin. And they hold him in high regard. This nigga's in Chad Jewelry. When he when he's boxing, who who's giving the orders? They're the coach. They're the coaches. So who's really in charge? The the fucking trainer or more of his haggler kid? It's fucking wicked, son. <laughs> but he was a beast, dude. He was my favorite out of the group, and he didn't get any. He didn't he didn't get his due at all. And that no. and that fight, my dad I think broke. He broke something I, in the house that I, night. I, what? Hagler Leonard? Yeah. Who do you think won that? Hagler won that. He knocked I, him down twice. I say Ray. Dude, Ray, the reason you give it to Ray is because Ray would get caught up in the corner and then he'd box his ass out of it. But who put him in the corner in the first place? Yeah, but in terms of impressive, and he even said it during the last 10 seconds of every round, Somebody would yell in his corner, 10 seconds. And he would do the flurry where he just threw a thousand punches at once. That looks good to judges. It looks good, but that didn't win the fight. That didn't, that wasn't someone serving up the hardest punches, taking someone that he took it to fucking Leonard. He took it to him. I hands down. I, 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 and I, I have to disagree with you wholeheartedly on this one. Hagler won that fight. And Hagler deserved that fight, but there was no money to be made in Hagler. And this boxing business to this day is still a dirty business. And, you know, the reason I like Floyd Mayweather so much is he doesn't let that dirty business affect his dollar. He works it to work for him. Because if you don't work it to work for you. Oh, no, it's about the dollar that he doesn't seem to be about the substance. 
what, because the substance in this business was always controlled by who they wanted to win anyway. So he might as well take it out of their hands. He took it out of their hands. Dude, I love how Roberto Duran. And, and incidentally, I forget. I, I want to say the movie is called Hands of Stone, but I could be wrong. But they actually did a movie about Roberto Duran uh, where Robert De Niro plays Duran's trainer and Usher plays Sugar Ray Leonard. It's a great fucking movie. If you guys haven't seen it, I think it's called Hands of Stone. Um, and, you know, listen, this is this again is a testament to guys like Sugar Ray and Marvin Hagler and how hard boxing is because you have to be disciplined. You know, fucking Duran said at one point, once he won the title, Sticker was fucking. I was fucking and eating. He, he instead of training, he stayed in a hotel room for three days having a threesome and eating steaks. You know, uh, yeah. To the victor go the spoils. He should, but after three days, he's after two days of being in the hotel room with steaks and a threesome. That's the day. That's when he should have said no moss and then train. Uh, that was that, that. It's tough to watch him because uh, he he meant he means so much to an underserved group of people in this in this world. When you come from a, like like Pacquiao means everything to the Philippines. Yeah, Duran everything to Panama. Which I'm glad you mentioned that because that brought me to my next point. You know, they said when Tommy Hearns lost to Sugar Ray. There were people that said to him, man, I bet my house on you. And it was like when he fought and when he won, it uplifted the city. And this is something I never understood. How does him winning change your lifestyle? If it motivates you and gives you hope, okay. But how they always try to paint the picture that when Tommy Hearns won, Detroit won. What did you win? What did it change? Uh, You know, we talk about going to certain cities and we say we can feel the heaviness in certain cities. The, 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 there's just a heaviness to certain places. Right. I think when you, when you get a win, when one of yours gets a win, a little bit of that heaviness goes away for a little, for, for, for a moment that gives you a chance to breathe and a chance to make you feel like you have a chance. Cause I'm telling you these places, Aries, some of those places we've been, I, I wouldn't want to to think that that's where I was going to grow up on and live the rest of my life. And a lot of people, a lot of people do that. I wouldn't want to do that because I would want to know that I had an opportunity outside of that. But I don't think that everybody gets that feeling. So you have to build that opportunity from within. And I think that's what these guys give them. <clears throat> um, they mentioned Reagan a lot in the 80s. Uh, and, you know, again, you told me when we did the podcast and I didn't know it till you told me. And then I eventually saw it that the whole Make America Great Again was a slogan that Reagan started. Yeah, Reagan and, was one of the first people to use it. Yep. And I noticed a lot of cold words by Reagan that really was some racist shit. A lot of cold words, a lot of way of saying things where he didn't flat out say it, but you knew what it meant. And listen, people will say black people did a lot of black people. Nigga, all presidents are racist. All white presidents have been racist. Name one good one. But Reagan seemed 
exceptionally racist. Reagan was put in place by white elites. That's why Reagan was president. So uh, the code, when you say code words, he's speaking, he's speaking to his, his base. Not, not, not only to his base, because he created a base. He really did create a base. And, and he, he's part of the reason politics is ruined. But he created, he's speaking to the people that put him there, not just his base. The base for Reagan is the first one who let that uh, uh, religious aspect start running the conservative party and putting their stamp of approval on things. And that, that, that's, a, that's a problem. That's a problem because, um, yeah, you can figure out your own problems with that. Did you like Reagan? Um, <clears throat> you know, I feel, I feel less angry at him than I do at Trump, but there's things about both of those guys that they did things that I wanted a president to do, but there's so much other stuff that surrounds them that I, uh, uh, I can't say that I liked him as the president. I I I, I like some of the things that he did, uh, but with but there's so much reckless abandon in some of these people. And the reason I feel a little bit probably better about Reagan is because how Reagan shortly after that started to you know uh, suffer from uh, what what do they say Alt- is it uh, Alzheimer's Alzheimer's yeah so. Um, you know, he was. There's a story about him that makes me not hate him as much because I think it's. Uh, and I don't. I don't. I'm not trying to tell the story to make everybody else feel better, but it's just that he, uh, Nancy, who I really didn't like at all, Nancy was uh, in the kitchen and uh, Reagan came into the kitchen and he's suffering from dementia. He's had, he has the Alzheimer's and uh, his pants are wet. And she said, "You know, uh, Ronnie. You know what, what what's wrong?" And he goes, I don't know. And he, he reached into his pocket and he pulled out in, in the fish tank that they had in, the, in his office or something. There was a miniature White House, like a picture of the White House. Uh, not a picture, like a little thing that you'd put in the <coughs> fish tank, a little sculpture. And he goes, I don't know what this is, but somehow I think it's important. Oh, you know, Nancy, I don't really know what this is, but sometimes, somehow I feel it's important. I just thought that was such a sad ending to somebody, you know. Um, so maybe, maybe I could. Justified. What? Depending on who you talk to, a justified. I'm I'm not justifying. I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to put an emotional level on him, him and what he did. I was putting an emotional level on maybe sometimes. Um, you get what you deserve, but that doesn't make it any less sad. I got you, and I get your sympathy. Uh, Empathy. Empathy. I have no but sympathy for him. A lot of black people who came up in that time via Reaganomics who wouldn't give a shit. No, and they and they 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 don't have to. They shouldn't. Uh, listen, uh, him cutting funding uh, for the for, for mental facilities for people is what created some of the worst homeless situations that we've had in this country since. Um. So. Yeah, there were some things that he did polit- that he did that I thought the government needed to do, but uh, he missed on so much more. He missed on what, and like Trump, he missed on what the people need. I think it's it's interesting that they can get it right for big money, but they can't get it right for the people. Here, here, that brings us to fifty nine minutes. Oh wow, that was quick. Ding ding. If you're back, and I had a couple of guys who, whose obviously emails I read, 
who uh, mentioned this to me because they know that I'm a boxing fanatic. Um, and again, if you're a boxing fan, if you if that was your era, uh, Kings, it's just called Kings, right? Yeah. Kings, check it out, y'all, on Showtime. Roberto Duran, uh, Tommy Hearns, Ray Leonard, and Marvelous Marvin. Who's in charge over there? I just want to finish this, though, real quick, because you said because I said that about Tyson at the end. At the end, they said, you know, there was no they lost the respect for the heavyweight champion. Remember, they said for the champions at this time, because they, they were looked at uh, above board like they were they were something to be admired. And then they broke it down with the president and then Tyson. And no longer was that admiration for those positions. And. I, I hate to think that one person can bring those down completely like that. And also, as we've looked back on Tyson, and I, I really, I was really more offended on how they treated Tyson. We look back at Tyson now, and I, I do respect that man. I might not respect Reagan, but I respect Tyson as a, for what he's been through and where he is now. So I, I didn't like how that ended, how they ended Tyson in that. That's the only thing I have my critique on it. Did you feel like ended Tyson in a bad note? Yeah, like he wasn't respectable because he was, you know, they went off of what he said about, you know, like eating your children. And I understand that the, what they were talking about is boxing, but it just gave them, it just left a bad note that they just would finish it off. And then here comes the new group and we don't respect this guy. That isn't, that isn't, uh, he didn't deserve, but, he but, didn't, go ahead. But based on what you think boxing is, the, the, the shystiness and the the brutality and the and the and the underhandedness and the cutthroat business that it is, don't you think sometimes savagery is what's necessary to get results? Definitely. That's why I didn't I, I like how they what they were describing and I guess I uh, they talked out of both sides of their neck on this one a little bit because when they brought up Ali and you brought up Ali, you said Ali wasn't liked at the beginning of his career for reasons that you you talked about. He didn't want to go to uh, he didn't want to go fight in Vietnam. He he didn't uh, he people knew that he was becoming a Muslim. All those were things that were against working against him in the press. And then at the end they said, but he was beloved. No, he was treated shitty in this too. Right. Uh, so when they talk about that respectability. I, I didn't get that from that. I, the, those outside edges of this movie is what kind of makes me angry. That with Ali and then how they finished up on Tyson. And Tyson, I, I'm not saying I want people to go through what Tyson did to get to place, but whatever you have to go through to get to where he is now, go, you have to go to that journey because I, I, I have a lot of respect for Tyson. Say that last part again. That's critical. What? Say that last part again. That's critical. What did I have a lot of respect for, for Tyson? Yeah, to get through everything that you, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that anybody has to go through. I'm not advocating that people have to go through as much trauma as Tyson did. But whatever you need to do to get where Tyson is today, that's the goal. So sometimes savagery works. If that's what you need to get out of where you are, listen. When you listen to Ray Leonard talk about his story, just because you put a pretty face on it doesn't mean savagery isn't in there. Okay, but I just want to be clear. Just hit me with a yes or no. Sometimes savagery works. For an end goal, if that's what's necessary to make it happen, yeah. And that's how I get pussy. <laughs> Dude, I was so trying to line up that alley-oop. 
I was waiting for the right sentence from you. And I was like, damn, I got to set him up. Yeah, you got it. You got me. You got me there. All right, folks. Uh, Right now is our boy. You've heard him before. Maurice Dotson, a.k.a. The Doctor. We're in Portland this week, guys. Come out. Oh, boy. What up? A little something special. I cooked up for the A-Rees and Andy special. Hey, nigga, A. One more time for you, big baby. Yeah. Also phenomenal, lyrically diabolical. Gifted, getting uplifted when blowing trees in the tropicals. Without a commission, when I'm popping that pistol, place it in your mouth and blow more like a rep through the whistle. It ain't official till the doctor has documented his signature. Fessions to the minister, cause my mental is sinister. Snitch it when they hit you, then put you down in the ditches with the rest of my victims and the false flagging bitches. So kind of ballistic in the district with a sickness for killing. Something I choose to hide inside, like the practice in women. I'm on that dollar sign, grind all the time, that's all that stays on my mind. Keeping grip on my mind, I'm trying to climb for that cheese, for that trouble, that my surrender, whatever. No matter the day and time, situation or weather, on that dollar sign, grind all the time, that's all that stays on my mind. Keeping grip on that mind, I'm trying to climb for that cheese, for that trouble, that my surrender, whatever. No matter the day and time, you know the rest. Check it, I know you'd rather be robbing racks from the dawn, baby. So the twelve is on me, like my name is Tom Brady. They say I'm lazy, fugazi when it comes to paper Till I stick them from their paper like staples Please believe I even keep my neighbors under surveillance Yeah, I know I'm the doctor, huh? But nah, we ain't got no patience But nigga, mommies call me Tommy because I got the power Devour cowards for hours just for fucking what hours Put that nine in your face like J-Dubs do watch towers Drink piss on your bitch face, I swore from golden showers Now or never, when it comes to the hustle within the struggle is motherfuck, your friend great grands up to the uncle Bell I make them fuckers buckle and rupture their whole structure Stick them up like needles and knives and acupuncture On that dollar sign, grind all the time It's all that stays on my mind Keeping grip on that mind, I try to climb For that cheese, for that cheddar, that my forever, whatever No matter the day or time, situation or weather On that dollar sign and that's how I get pussy. <laughs>